Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Passive House Podcast. I'm Zach Semke, Director of Passive House Accelerator, and we're pleased to be sharing a series of bonus episodes recorded at FiasCon 2022 in Chicago. These interviews were made possible by generous support from StoCorp and Zola Windows. In this interview, Passive House Podcast co-host Matthew Cutler-Welsh speaks with Dylan Ingui, featured speaker at this year's FiasCon Youth and incoming freshman at the University of Michigan. Enjoy. I think people will know you or know of you because uh, your name's come up uh, a little bit on Passive House Accelerator a few times. Um, but let's start out. Where does the where does the the story start for you in terms of getting into this sort of passive house space? Um, I guess it would start in twenty. I believe that would be eighteen. Um, about four years ago, at a conference in Pittsburgh. Um, so for about I don't know a few years now my or at that point my dad had been doing uh, passive house retrofits and I made fun of him for it and he did our house and I made fun of him for it and then he forced me to go to this conference in Pittsburgh and I was expecting nothing but hatred and boredom and all of the sort uh, and I found completely the opposite I was amazed by the people there um, and it was an incredible experience I was treated like a person which was for better or worse, one of the first times that I'd been to a professional setting where it hasn't been the typical, oh, and how's your day been? Did you do all your homework? Why are yeah. you out of school? And all of that kind of stuff. And how old were you at the time? Uh, I was 14 at the time. Right. Um, but that kind of experience was magical, and everybody wanted to be there, and everybody wanted to uplift one another, and that's something that you don't get in many communities. Yeah. Yeah. So your dad's an architect. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a bit more than an architect. He's... he's got a few things going on um, and how, what's, what influence has that had on you? Uh, I definitely think that it's had, a, it's had a, a very good influence on me. I don't know that I would have found uh, my love and passion for building science as easily if it weren't for him. It probably would have taken me another decade or so. Um, it also definitely helped because I didn't have to go through the whole process of learning plans because the second I started looking at plans, it just kind of made sense since I'd been around them for so long. So I kind of just subconsciously just them picked that up. lying around the place. Yeah, and... just around, you know, here and there, visiting the office, on my dining room table, yeah. whatever, yeah. You made an important distinction there, your love for building science as opposed to architecture. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Architecture is very creative. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I, I do think that architecture is a great field. But for myself personally, I need something and want to aspire to do something a little bit more technical um, and a little bit uh, more focused on maybe even education. Um, a lot of what I focused on since I got into this community is listening to all these people and all these speakers and trying to figure out how we can begin to scale Passive House, uh, especially for when my generation starts to enter this field. because. For better or worse, I had a great experience where I just magically got certified and then I magically won the wall contest and it just kind of all worked out for me. But what about in 10 years when we have all of these people at 20 whatever around my age and they're looking for what they want to do and we're all passionate about climate change 
massive house is that answer, but the thing is, nobody in my generation knows remotely what that is, and nobody in my generation understands how much emission truly comes from our buildings, especially in urban climates like New York City. So when you say your generation doesn't understand, would you say they understand the problem, or they understand this, the seriousness of the problem, but not the solutions? I think that they understand both pretty well. However, I do think that buildings are heavily underestimated. I mean, in New York City alone, 70% of our emissions as of a few years ago were from buildings alone. Right. So when you factor in a lot of typical uh, Fridays for Futures climate solutions like recycling and you know making sure that you turn the lights off in the bathroom when you're done or in your bedroom or whenever you leave at your house, uh, things like that, like they do make a difference in the end, but at the same time, if we don't reduce our building emissions, then we won't have much overall reduction in the end, especially if we want to reach 2050 goals or even 2030 goals, hopefully. Yeah. So we're here at uh, FierceCon 2020, Chicago. Uh, today was the first time I'd heard about Fridays for Futures. What, what is it? So Fridays for Futures is the climate group that Greta Thunberg started. Um, and it's kind of spread across the globe. Every year there's a global climate strike, and it's fantastic. You have all these organizations and all these kids organizing these massive events. I, um, I helped to organize one, I believe that would be last year, uh, although I didn't have a huge part in it. Um, and there was 2,000 people that showed up straight out of the pandemic and it really just showed how much people cared about climate and that this is change that people wanted yeah um and just going back to what you said about um the the solutions uh and you mentioned that new york uh construction contributes to about 70 percent so there's a a distinction there as well between the, there's a global figure of around forty percent of uh, impact coming from the, the the built environment, but when you look at a a smaller area like a more urban area, that proportion is is greater. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, I mean it's definitely a more dense community, especially in New York, where eight point I think it's now forty two million people live in those five boroughs alone, which is yeah incredible. Um, but also very scary in terms of yeah. climate change. Yeah. Um, and I do think that there, there are definitely major factors that probably take priority over buildings in most areas. But when you look at these urban areas, it's really where change is going to begin and where change is going to spread from. So if we really want to make the changes that we need to make within the next few years, and even now, it really has to start there and it really has to start with buildings. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's even the case. So in New Zealand, we assumed that the proportion was 20%. Some more recent research is actually making it uh, lower at around 15%. But that's because we have a lot of cows and we have a lot of sheep. And so if you include agriculture as a country, uh, the buildings are less. But if you then take a city like Auckland, it would be much more around that 70 to 80%. And that's where all the people are because it's you know, more density. Regardless of what that number is, it's still a big proportion that is also something we have a lot of control over mm -hmm. um, because it's what we're producing into the future. So, do you think um, do you think there amongst that realization activism is there hope? 
I definitely think activism is part of it. Activism is amazing at spreading awareness and providing resources to continue education. But in the end, um, activism can only go so far. Eventually, you also have to consider the knowledge of the overall average person. Yeah. Um, because while myself or another activist or whoever can have the lowest physical possible carbon emissions, they live in a passive house, they're completely vegan, they are very careful of every little thing, they don't fly, they don't drive anywhere, they take public transportation, even then, that's one person, yeah. that's one figure, and it's really about bringing that average, which is kind of where activism comes in. However, it's also about education on um, a case-by-case -case level, um, I mean, I, at this point, I think most people know that recycling good, plastic bad, etc. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, we have to get to a point where it's kind of beyond that. It also has to be code bad, passive house better. Right. Because, yes. of course, there's the climate incentives. But even if it's, you know, you don't care about climate or you don't believe in climate, whatever, there's the cost incentives, which, if anything, that should definitely be a huge factor of yeah. why you should build passive. I yeah. mean, if you're told that you're going to make a building and it's going to completely pay itself off within 10 to 15 years, that's something that you can't really get anywhere else and it com makes complete sense. So it's not really a political or climate issue anymore. It's kind of just, do you want a better product? Yes or no. Yeah. And that's how we have to present Passive House, even to my generation. Yeah. You uh, were... A little bit modest when you said you magically uh, ended up with um, becoming a passive house. Um, what are you, a certified passive house consultant? consultant. Yes. Um, that doesn't happen by itself. You did a bit of work. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, and and also to win a design award. Just remind us what the design award was. Uh, I won the. Uh, Fine, uh, Sweet 16 Fine Home Building Home ah, I cannot talk The Sweet 16 Fine Home Building Wall Assembly Contest Right And so You had to put a wall Together mm -hmm. Yep uh, From the uh, Sub slab All the way to the roof uh, With all the details Etc um, And you had to build a wall With uh, six different Sustainable and real world Criteria in mind uh, It was That was So much fun for me Um the consultant's exam as well was definitely very interesting. That was a lot more taxing. That was a lot more um, difficult. Not because of the, I guess, technical aspects, but more because of the conceptual. While a lot of passive house can kind of be generalized as hot goes to cold, stop hot going to cold. Um, at the same time, when you get a lot to a lot more uh, like nitty-gritty details, when you look at thermal bridging, when you look at glazing, when you look at shading, that's a lot more difficult to understand, especially in the mind of a child. Um, Pretty mature child. Yes, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. also, if that was dry air going from hot to cold, or just dry, or just you know dry thermal mass, yes. that would be relatively simple. But you've got to deal with moisture in there as well, mm -hmm. which complicates things. Yeah, when I was taking my course, moisture wasn't a huge factor, but um, definitely for the last few years, like that's been a huge thing. About along with like embodied carbon is another big one that have really become to be uh, really prominent and really important within the field. Yeah. Um, and it's incredible to me because on the one hand, you can build the most secure wall in the world and then it can have a bunch of molds and therefore become obsolete and make no sense to build in the first place. Yeah. Um, which is something that I wish I'd learned sooner because especially during my first time in that wall contest, um, while it wasn't a huge issue of mine, it was definitely something that I had to think a little bit more about. Um, having a rain screen, making sure that my 
uh, vapor membranes and vapor barriers were really foolproof and that that was going to be something that worked. Yeah. Um, which is something that still fascinates me. Uh, that prefab and embodied carbon are definitely still areas that I'm attempting to educate myself further on. Do you appreciate that there's probably a large chunk of the building industry that still doesn't have any idea about those concepts? <laughs> yes, I, I definitely do think that it's... I think it's something that's going to change very soon. Yeah. Um, as I said before, I think that for better or worse, this is going to eventually become code and people are eventually going to be forced to learn this and be forced to understand this. Um, and if I could figure it out at 14, I, I firmly believe anybody can figure it out. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I think there's a bit of um, uh, inertia there that sometimes is a challenge if people have learnt an alternate way or have come up with a whole bunch of excuses as to why they do the things they do. Um, it can be a bit challenging to to, to relearn or, or to change uh, to change their viewpoint. But I think it's certainly inspiring having people like yourself say, "You know, you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. you, you, you can you can learn it." Tell us about your experience in the last uh, what's it been six months? Yeah, a year? plus or minus. Uh, so in the, within the last year, the last year's been crazy. A year ago today, I was probably stuck at home doing my SATs uh -huh. um, and those thank gosh ended well enough uh, I'm officially going to University of Michigan for their new major urban technology um, which is essentially kind of a combination of urban planning from a, an architectural design um, sustainability and technological standpoint which I'm very excited about um, and then after that because that program starts in January, I emailed a lot of the people at Passive House Institute uh, in Darmstadt, Germany, and I've been interning there. Uh, so I actually came to this conference. I'm basically fresh off the plane. I've been back in America for about, like, what, four days? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's been a fantastic experience. So the last year's just been an absolute whirl. Yeah, so exciting. <laughs> so tell us about life in, in the uh, PHI office. Life in the PHI office is very different from what I thought it would be. I was picturing like, you know, a tiny office with a few researchers and yeah. Jessica and Wolfgang just kind of sitting there staring <laughs> at you. And no, not at all. It's is very, Wolfgang even there anymore? Does he, um, does he turn up occasionally? Uh, he's uh, fully virtual right now, but um, I had a call with him and it's very funny. It was, it was a short call for a video that I was putting together, a trailer for uh, their most recent Abatskreis, uh, which I believe was number 58. Right. Um, and I needed like a five-second clip of him talking, and yeah. that was it. And it turned into an hour and a half conversation. Yeah. And he's such an interesting person. <laughs> he is, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, that, but that's what I mean. PHI is it's very different because it's not just a a place for people to learn about building science. It, they truly understand that this is a climate issue and that this is something that is going to be adapted one day. Um, and it's just such a great experience and a knowledge of wealth for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful to have that opportunity, especially before entering college. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I think it's incredible that you've made you've made that happen and, and taken advantage of the, the opportunity uh, to do that. Uh, certainly, a pretty pretty incredible experience. Um, <clears throat> where where do you see things going now that you've sort of had that, a taste of what's happening? in Germany at the coalface, but also uh, what's going on here at Fierce. Um, where do you see things going from, from here? I think the only direction is up. I think that 
we have a lot of knowledge and while we're still learning and we're still figuring it all out at the same time there comes a point where I think everybody's hungry for this to just blow up I don't think at this point it matters who or how or when or why but it needs to be soon and I I hope to kind of be along for the ride and really watch it happen and help it happen um, I think within the next 10 years we're gonna see high performance become integrated into the code especially within America um, and I think that we're going to see a huge spike in the popularity of Passive House, especially because of all the climate benefits. It's going to be crazy. So your course is brand new, urban, uh, urban, uh, urban technolo technology. technology. Yes. Um, that sounds exciting, uh, a melding together of a few different worlds. What would be your dream job in uh, in five years' time after you've graduated? That's a fantastic question that I cannot answer. Uh, I know that I want to do something within the building science field, and I know that I want to help to really expand this and flesh it out. Um, as I just said, we really need to start focusing on scaling, especially as my generation starts to enter this field and start to want to learn about this and wants to be curious we have to have the infrastructure ready for all of these people who are passionate about climate and passionate about building to start coming in um, and I think it's going to be great if we do but it's something that we have to get ready for now I hope you do and encourage others to do because I'm I'm hopeful when I meet young passionate people uh, who are seeking good solutions uh, and my hope for, for you and, and your generation is that you you do seek the wisdom of people um, who have that, that science background, but also not be swayed by people who have just been doing things the way they've been doing things for the last 20 years that hasn't been the greatest. Um, and that, I guess that's the challenge, is, is to figure out where the wisdom is and, and who to who to listen to and, and who to listen to but then say thank you uh, I'm going to choose to do things differently because that that's obviously not working and I don't know how you figure that out yeah I, I definitely think it's interesting but at the same time it's a, it's a it's a point that I brought up earlier in my talk today but at this point I think it's kind of just a conversation of instead of all the logistics it's kind of just how can we make it happen because in my case right now if I had a random client come up to me despite my lack of college degree and just go build me a house I don't care just just build me a house I'm not building them some ugly code matching anything because the only thing I know is passive house and I know that I can describe and explain why it's better and right. that's all that matters right because in the end as I said before this is where we're heading in five to ten years so when we're talking about the future and when we talk about my generation it's less of a question of how and it's more of a question of when and can we be ready when you come across one of your friends, peers, at the moment, uh, how do you describe Passive House to them if um, they've never heard about it before? I basically describe it as the future of building. It's a better way of building and it's what we're going to be building. That's how I describe it because for better or worse, it's true. Uh-huh. Yeah. And does it, do people want to know more detail on what that means? Yeah, some do and some don't. The ones that do, I keep it very simple enough to you know keep them interested and have it so that they feel educated on the subject uh, I touch on the five principles and how you can continue to educate yourself if you'd like and then at all the climate benefits uh, benefits um, along with a lot of like the non-climate benefits like 
fact that especially in New York City, you won't have bugs if you do it correctly. You won't yeah. have dust. Yeah. Um, my mother and I are both allergic to pollen. Uh, leaving our house after a quarantine was terrible for us because we hadn't been exposed to it for what, like a year and a half-ish? Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. A lot of Claritin was used. They probably made a lot of money off of people like this. Yeah. But um, that's the magic of Passive House because you get this clean, fresh air yeah. and you have a peaceful, quiet life, especially in New York where there's noise everywhere. You can't really escape yeah, it. Yeah, peaceful and quiet in New York don't really go together, do they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not really, you know, synonymous, but... I, I, there's various passive houses in New York. Mine is a great example of the one that my father designed. Um, he, we have videos of ambulances being outside and fire trucks and this and that, and we cannot hear anything. <laughs> so you don't give him a hard time anymore about... Uh... For better or worse, not, but it might start again now. <laughs> <laughs> um, can people follow you anywhere? Um, yes, people can follow me basically on all social media platforms. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at D-Y-Y-Y-L-A-N-I-N-G-U-I. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn um, as my first and last name, Dylan Ingui, D-Y-L-A-N-I-N-G-U-I. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you can probably also... I think that's kind of the eight. From there, I'm sure people yeah, can uh, I mean, track from it my LinkedIn, I mean... If I'm forgetting anything, it's definitely there. I know my email's on my LinkedIn. I cannot remember it off the top of my Nope, it's literally my first and last name at gmail.com. And we'll, <laughs> we'll put up uh, the... There were some uh, posts and videos on Passive House Live. We'll put up some links to that so people can have a look at your mm-hmm. award-winning wall. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That'd be awesome. Hey, thank you. Pleasure to talk. Yeah, of course. Great talking as always. Thank you.